Wonderful night. Welcome, welcome back to the Beyond the Backstage Pass. I'm your host, Vince Edwards. You may know me from Sound Image Productions. We have a special show for you tonight. Don't forget to reach out to us on our closed Facebook roadie groups. Uh, we got Death by Loadout and the Backstage Pass. We're having a lot of fun over there, exchanging ideas and thoughts. Why don't you come and join us? Uh, tonight, I got with me my good, good friend, Kyle Thomas. How are you, brother? Not too bad. How about yourself? Man, you know, like, so, you know, we have up and down days. But today was an especially interesting day. It started out a little challenging. We were up in the shit. You missed it. You missed the whole load. I, I, I missed a part. This is part of my talent, you know, is knowing when to show the fuck up. You see, see Vinny looking through his blinds. Yeah, I'm like, like 100 mm, feet away. They're done. Yeah, okay, they pulled out the two-story, 25-foot camel and inflated it. Um, so that was for the uh, barrier music, uh, com and magazine. Yeah, it came from uh, old KML, uh, camel radio station back the, in the day. And the Bammies commandeered this huge and saved it all this time, which was kind of incredible. It looked as good as it did. It was, it was a kooky, wacky thing. I remember from the old days of doing festivals and Shoreline and wherever they would have that sucker out there. Oh, it floats around. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, used, it used to make the rounds for the shows because camel would, uh, the KME used to in KFOG in the Bay Area here the rock stations would put on these great shows you know yeah, and yeah. so that was the whole point of the thing was just to be this big obnoxious you know tuned to camel yeah. where, <laughs> where we bring your fog hat and you know Mario Speedwagon you know old day shit and and uh, it's really uh, I don't know kind of a, a rubber monument to the Bay Area rock and roll in many ways and especially how it's handed off to Dan Ashley now it's like how did you feel meeting Dan Ashley well I, I, I met him before but it, under the he's a he's in a band he has this little band and he tends to open up for big bands like right, Sammy right, Hagar in the circle and shit and and so there's and he's a and he's a genuinely nice guy and he's a barrier news anchor legend in his own right and so for him to be in the shop today and having the press conference with uh, with bam.com and and bam zoom which is a an offshoot of the same Absolutely. Uh, it was it was a treat it was a treat we had a bunch of reporters in here and folks in the industry and and a ton of food got there was $500 worth of barbecue everywhere and cookies and treats and it was good I'm still I'm, I got the itis from that. Did you get the itis? Yeah, yeah. I'm having protein sweats, or maybe it's the 85 degrees in the set. It's I, the meat sweats. Uh, is it the yeah. meat sweats? That's what's happening. Well, God damn it. I'm, I'm living. I, so it's one of those good problems. I'm going to put that in firmly in the column of good problem. <laughs> right. right? Fucking. We're living well enough to have meat sweats. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's definitely a positive. <laughs> and so it's been an interesting day. We've been book solid all day. We tore down, we put up this big rig and this press conference and, you know, banners and podiums and right here in this very space that I'm sitting and then rip that down real quick and push this up and now we're, we've got a guest from uh, the, bringing him in on satellite and that adds uh, some layers of complication. Now I tell you what because of this guest and I'm not uh, I'm jumping out a little early because we got some things to go over but I love this guest and his friggin history is the history of badass cool rock and roll gigs so we're going to get into that in a minute but we've had a, an also an interesting week in the mail we had the mail, Robert Cortez III, badass rigger what extraordinaire. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? He's a good friend with Bob Power. He's kind of a, a, a legendary rigger, uh, you know, like he wanted me to say to uh, to Bob, to, a little shout out to Bobby Power, uh, you know, I'll see you up on top, which is rigger speak for up in the up in the air doing what we do. Yeah. And he sent us a cool uh, rigger safety jacket he from did, man. his Look tool how tour. nice this guy is. Isn't that cool? Yeah, Mike, Check you get up on out. that thing. Can you give us a close-up? Zoom in. Marker. Check that out. It's a rigger jacket. It's one of their safety vests they wear when you go up in the up tall in the steel and there's a little tool logo. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's thoughtful, you know. It's, it's like a little little cool part thing. of his his touring career, just like right in this t-shirt. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, man. and then he sent us he sent us some grease for the squeaky wheel, yeah. which I tell you what now. Let me tell you. Yeah. Money goes a long way <laughs> We're gonna blow we up like a money. box full of and shit uh, for you, buddy. Yeah. You know, our good good friends at EAW who are right we represent with these guys. We love this company, uh, Eastern Acoustic Works, one of the best manufacturers in the country for loudspeakers and other things. Uh, and by the way, check them out. You get a chance. You go over to Facebook at EAW Users Group. They got a great page over there with some really interesting stuff. And I think you're the moderator over I'm there. I'm not the moderator. Right? I provide a lot of content. Oh, content. I kind of put up a lot of content because if I was a moderator, I would strike some shit down. And I want to talk to Jim Newhouse about that. Give me a little access to, to pull out some of the things that yeah, it could be, yeah. You're a crate, creative 
streamline that a little bit. But it's a fantastic page, and I suggest you guys go there and use EAW products at all times. Um, but, Robert, keep a lookout. We're going to make a big old box of stuff for you, uh, you know, a bunch of wonderful swag from different vendors and, and uh, people we, we work with that uh, to show some love. I yeah, appreciate your continued support and you reaching out to us like that. Very, very cool. Uh, also, with the, B, the BAM thing, we had in, uh, who it was this gal came in who's a, she's the BAM Zoom gal, the new gal. It's the next generation. That's what they're trying to do with bringing Dan Ashley in to be the new president. Kenny. The Kenny, new heads, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Kenny Wardell has had this thing on lock for 40 years killing it. He, he really is like the barrier historian, you know, of, of bands that are... What a gentleman Kenny is, you know, even at his age, you think about all the shows that he has thrown throughout his career. He has forgotten more shows than most people will ever do in the modern rock and roll right? scene. Seriously. This he pulled up that video with Sammy Hagar, oh my Yeah, that was God. Sammy, that was Sammy, Neil, Sean, uh, it was everybody. That was dude. like the who's who of ripping out. I think they were doing Foxy Lady or something. It gave me goosebumps. I was like, yeah, dude, fuck yeah. Pretty, yeah. Why have pretty, I never uh, seen this? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, anytime Neil gets in front of a guitar, it gets pretty exciting. It's a little, some heavy shit. Yeah. But um, they brought in their their gal, their spokesperson, who's named Sky Dayton. She was lovely. She did some work in front of the podium, and and uh, you know, we wish them good luck and continued success in their their further ventures. Dan Ashley is now the president for that operation for. Uh, BAM.com and BAMmagazine.com and that would be a, a good thing and we're looking we're gonna look forward and we're there here to help them out with anything and the projects and things to come with them because they are, can be prolific they will do hopefully get back into the award show thing and have some fun with it and oh and I love the their side note of like uh, pushing suicide prevention mm -hmm. I think that was Dan Ashley's main uh, push there and it's like a very a really nice thing to speak about yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's a, that's the a thing that we, you know, on our groups, we, we every so often pop up the, the little suicide prevention uh, hotline and contact information. So folks, just remember, you know, some folks are having it hard out there. This is a crazy, crazy time. We all know it, we're living it. Nobody knows it more than the people of the entertainment industry. I mean, there's some folks suffering along, waitresses and bartenders and folks that would come into close contact, but we are on our ass. All you gotta and, say is call your friends, call your friends yeah, all the time. Yep. Keep Keep care of each other. Doing. Keep care of each other. I couldn't agree with you more. Hey, tonight we're available on YouTube, uh, Facebook Live, Twitch. Of course, we've got our podcasts on Amazon Music, Google, uh, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. Check us out in these different um, locations for different content. And uh, if you go to YouTube Live, if you got any questions or comments, check us out there. Send them in. We'll we'll try to answer them the best we can on our on. Uh, I don't have it up right now. Okay, we will not be answering your questions this evening because Kyle doesn't feel like it and that's so not we'll true. get to that's them later and get back to you there's a lot of love here and but like we said we've been kind of up to our ears in, in the game today um uh and now I want to jump over and thanks for all the hard work I mean really you kicked your ass today between you and Mikey and the rest of the crew really uh, you know did great and, and I appreciate it more than you can do and I know I can speak it for my brother as well oh well, thank you I excellent appreciate effort it. and constant energy and you know positive attitude you're a you're kind of a badass. I want to get directly to my guest. I, I, we got a guy here. Now, you guys got to trust me on this here. Uh, between live touring, working with artists, is recent artists like Prince and it's uh, White Snake, Bush, Clint Black uh, out on the field, and, and so many others. It's, I don't know, we can't even count. We'll just try to dig around in it. Studio time with Mike McDonald, Michael McDonald, the Beach Boys, the great country band Alabama, Kenny Loggins, Jim Messina, Joe Walsh. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Now, did you hear what I just said? This man has worked in the studio with Stevie fucking Ray Vaughan. That is the ultimate, I, we're gonna dig around in that. I misspoke when I uh, did um, uh, last, I guess the last show, uh, I said he was from the Eagles. He's just worked for everybody in the Eagles. He had actually not up front, so let me, let me correct myself there. But he's a wonderful guy, he's a friend of the family. It's the one and only James Geddes. How are you, brother? Hey, <laughs> hey, big dog. <laughs> so good to see you, man. It's so good to see you, Bean. How has life been treating you? What have you been What's doing up? to keep you? Well, I want to know what you've been doing to keep yourself busy over this last little while instead of out there touring the world with big rock bands making beautiful music. Well, my, my wife, Carrie, told me that I needed to take up a hobby. Okay. And she suggested painting. And so far, I've, I've painted the kitchen. 
you know, it's just, there's a lot of house here to paint. So I, you know, it's kind of keeping me busy. Yeah, I can see. So it's basically honey, a D-list. It wasn't really trees and puffy clouds. It was, it was, there was the kitchen and bathroom is what you went after. I, I totally understand. That sounds like a list I'd get. Yeah. yeah. Let me yeah. ask you, brother, here on the show, and you, I know you've seen the show, we're, we're into the origin story. We don't want to get too far into the weeds, but what, what led you to get into the business? How did, what, what was the, the impetus? Um, my brother was in a band called the Hello People in the 60s. Wow. Uh, went into the 80s, I guess. Uh, at least the 70s. Anyway, uh, he was making a record in New York and uh, invited the family down to the studio and Bill Simzik was the engineer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I walked into the room and, you know, it was the era of Star Trek and, you know, I'm on the bridge of the enterprise. Right. And, uh, so Bill saw my eyes wide open and he took me up to the console and showed me, uh, you know, what everything did, which went right over my head at the time. Sure. Um, but I was hooked. After that, I was going to California and I was going to make records. And uh, what's really funny is uh, probably 12 years later, when I was working with Joe Walsh, Bill Simzik came up to Santa Barbara Sound and I looked at him and I said, uh, you know, I would have been a lawyer or a doctor or something if it wasn't for you. And he said, you're Greg's brother. <laughs> wow. So he absolutely remembered the Full circle. It was really a trip. It was really very fun. But yeah, Bill is, Bill and my brother are responsible for me wanting to get into it. What a great and, introduction uh, to the business. So, I mean, Bill, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a rare thing to be able to say. Very impressive, yeah. my brother. Listen, I know you mixed for heart for years. Uh, talk about that experience. How is it working with the Wilson? Oh, Ann and Nancy are the best. Aren't they? Um, they're, they're just two of the most, wonderful people you'll ever meet on the planet. Um, you know, the best band that they had when I was there, which was pretty remarkable, um, uh, was when uh, Mike Inez and Gilby Clark were in the band. You want to talk about, you know, just rock star talent and man, they kicked ass. Yeah. I mean, and kicks ass all the time. I mean, she sounds better now than she did in the 70s, in my opinion. Amazing. She keeps her chops up for sure. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, she uh, she married some years ago and I've never seen her happier. She's she just lights a, a room up now where uh, that wasn't always the case. You know, yeah. it's really nice to see her happy and at peace with herself and comfortable. And, she, you know, they're just fabulous people. Wow. Can't. You know, love them to death. Well, really great experience. We've worked with them a few times. One time we actually, I don't know if you were on this one, we had them out at, uh, it was Bottle Rock in Napa, big ass show, and they were closing their headlining and they went past the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the deadline, the, the, uh, the curfew, and, and we had to shut them down and it was, it was a tragic curfew. thing. Yeah, we curfewed them. We didn't mean to, we didn't want to, but the fire marshal was threatening 8,000 dollars a minute fines and we had to uh, mute him and it was a rough rough night it ended up on the, the local news the next day the, uh, that, that, that usually means that some idiot before them ran over well there were there was that and they were right in the i wouldn't say the middle they were in the third quarter of, of, of barracuda you know they were bringing it home and and we tried to stretch this. We we reached and we were. I was literally running block. George was up front, I think, and we were trying to shut it down, uh, trying to keep it for just to let them get through it and get done. We knew they were going to close it up in two three minutes, and but uh, it just wasn't to be. And it was just one of those tragic rock and roll moments. But it wasn't. You know, they brought an amazing show and brought the crowd to their knees. But we had that unfortunate last couple minutes. But yeah, love working with them and talented, talented people. Uh, I know you've worked with White Snake recently. How'd you? How did that work with? Yeah, you? I didn't do that one. I've never done that on the rocket. Excuse me. Of course. Excuse me. What was the question? White Snake working with the. I mean, White Snake, rock star quotient wise, you know, bringing the big show. White Snake, how's it like mixing for those guys? 
they're great guys. Yeah. They're really great guys. Total professionals. Um, yeah. No, you know, it, it was fun. Uh, but you do it again. Not really my cup of tea. Music-wise, it's not your vibe? Not really, no. Well, so would you do it again? That'd be a hard pass. I don't think so. Well, it had yeah. to be at least. I, I mean, oh yeah, to, you know, to work with David and. This is a rock and roll uh, legend, yeah. It, and he knows yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> but it, you know, I, I, I kind of, I kind of steered away from a lot of those bands, intentionally. Uh, you know, I'm I'm 62 and I can still hear. Um, <laughs> I actually had to buy a set of, I bought a set of ears just to get it to the level that they wanted um, and not hurt myself. What were, they you know, put, what were you pushing at the desk? Buck 15, buck 18, what? 108, which is, for me, that's, that's loud. That's uncomfortable. No, I mean, I, I, think, I, I think, you know, when you're mixing that loud, you could be mixing Sergeant Pepper, you know, and 10 minutes into the show, everybody's ears are in compression and nobody can tell what the fuck's going on. So, you know, I just, uh, I think they wanted me to mix it louder and I really wasn't comfortable with that. Yeah. I've, I've been sued two or three times, which uh, is ridiculous uh, because, you know, it was, one was with uh, the Pointer Sisters, another was with Boz Scabs. Not loud bands, but you know somebody files a suit, and they think they're filing it against the artist, but they have to go through me. Of course. And then after they beat me, have to go through the vendor. Then they have to go through the promoter to get to the artist. And so nine times out of ten, unfortunately, the artists just end up settling with them, and uh, you, you, it, you're not. It really doesn't prove you're innocent that you didn't hurt them. No. So I'm... it it's it's a nuisance thing, and I I just don't. I, uh, I hear you. I think brother. it should be loud enough to be exciting, but not loud enough. You know, you're not. You're, you're, that things with my philosophy. So. I, I told, well, you know, listen, I I I remember the first time that I came and saw you working. And this is this is a moon ago. It was Kobe Calais at the Shoreline. Me and George rolled up on you, and you were mixing the hell out of it. And we weren't even familiar with the artist really. And and we stood there, and we were, and and this would speak to your your method and your modus operandi. And we were taken again, not being familiar with the artist, by the quality of the mix. You have a thing about really a defined, detailed, warm, enveloping mix without bowling people over. My brother coined a phrase that day and has used it, I, I don't know how many times, an umpteen times since then, but he looked at me and said, man, it's like his little white pretty birds coming out of that PA. And he was referring to your sound. And that's always, <laughs> yeah, it was, and, and, and he's used that, that line that we, I heard for the first time at your show, uh, doing what was a phenomenal job at really giving you know, the artist, uh, letting that, it was, she had an amazing band and, and you were just able to get the drums perfect. It was that rare night where you couldn't go to your friend in the A1 and say, well, your snare sounds like shit. I mean, you just, you, you, your mixes are, are a special, special thing. And uh, I'm just a shout out to you on that. Uh, recording with Stevie Ray Vaughan, man. I mean, come on. That, well, talk to us about that. What a badass. Uh, it that's one of the most bizarre stories in rock and roll history. Give it to um, us. Uh, Jackson Brown and Stevie Ray's manager, Chesley Milliken, mm -hmm. were friends. And um, Jackson was playing at... Uh, I completely blanked. Uh, the big festival in Europe. Uh, Doesn't matter. They were playing. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it kind of does, but I, I can't pull it out of my head. Was it in Leeds? Um, 
And anyway, uh, Chesley, huh? Was it in Leeds? No, 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 in uh, Switzerland. Oh, um, okay, you got me rock slides, the only one I can think of in Switzerland. No, um, I wish my wife was out here. Um, so anyway, uh, Chesley called up Jackson and said, and Jackson went, okay, you bring a blow. And uh, Stevie and Chesley came over to his hotel room with a SRV and a, a pig nose and played Jimi Hendrix songs all night. Sounds about right. And Jackson had a flight the next day. He just wanted them out, you know, and he said, listen, I got to go to bed. If you're ever in LA, you can use my studio. Don't throw that at me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, we were working on Lawyers in Love. Greg Ladani was the engineer. Uh, I was the assistant. But Greg was going back and forth doing Henley's uh, first solo album. So I was doing some firsting. And uh, we were breaking for Thanksgiving. And Jackson looks out the window and he sees his van pull up and Stevie Ray and Double Trouble get out. And he goes, oh shit, I forgot about this. And so it was like, I told these guys that they could record in my studio. Greg Ladani said, no, I have plans. So I was it, I had tickets to go to Hawaii. And anyway, so I got pointed it. And so they came in, we set up, uh, I mic'd everything, he cued everything, all of that. And they had a, I think it was a guitar roadie. Um, let's see, Richard Mullen. And um, so we did the first day of recording and Ladani and Jackson came in and said, let's hear what you got. And so I played it back for him and they were standing over the meter bridge and they said, this isn't going anywhere. It's 1982. Rhythm and blues was not going to sell. Right. And they said, throw them out. And I went, you know, you already ruined my vacation. These are nice guys. Music's fun. Uh, you know, let me finish it out. So they went, okay, well, that's up to you. And um, the studer, we were, we were tracking and the studer, the red lights came on, but there were like two or three channels that didn't drop in record. And it was kind of a mistake on my part in that uh, I didn't go to a blank piece of tape. Mm. And, you know, I put them all record. I, I burned a track, burned a take. And uh, then, you know, Stevie was like, you know, well, Mullen, he does all our recording in Texas. and. You know, do you mind if he sits in the front seat? And he basically just sat in the front seat while I record for the rest of the recordings. And, you know, they left. Set down. Uh, and none of us thought we'd ever hear it again. And it was 1983 when Lawyers and Love came out. And we were in a record store. Uh, Classic album. With Jackson. And it, and it came up on the stereo. And Ricky Vito went, Hey, isn't that that record you made with those R&B guys? So, um, yeah, that's how that all came about, wow. how it ended up. Crazy, wacky world. I've always had a special, I know you toured with Jackson and worked with Jackson, and uh, always had a special love for him. Last loadout song he did. I know he's uh, one of the guys that, right there with Tom Petty was like that, that had a lot of love for the crew and respect for what we do in backstage. So, uh, although not, uh, necessarily uh, a musical uh, inspiration to me, uh, a hell of a guy. And uh, I, I want to move on to something that just came to my mind. So I know you said uh, White Snake put you through the ropes a little bit uh, sonically. I, you worked with Gavin Rosendale and the, the band Bush. Well, what the hell is that? Goddamn, Kyle. We, we have a, coming back. We have, we have a show out right now with a, a rap band called g Easy. Now, me and you don't know who that is, but the kids love it. And, uh, and the truck is backing up. We're going to play through. Uh, Gavin Rosendale and Bush. Now, that, talk about a band that brings the heat. What was your experience like with that? They were a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed the shit out of them. I mean, you know, 
Gavin is just magnetic to watch. <laughs> right? Charism and, charismatic guy. I, well, he's just insane, you know. I mean, going out in the crowd, yep. you know, in a house of blues, he's up on the third floor running down the railing. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's very intense. It, it's very musical. It's very uh, well thought out. You know, I mean, the right. construction of their music is is really fascinating to play with as, as a front of house engineer. Yeah, these are the, yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the one that really surprised me that I thoroughly enjoyed and unfortunately it was only for such a brief time was Allison Chains. I mean, that was like standing in front of a locomotive. Is this with Lane Stanley fun. or which itch incarnation? Uh, when they when they first came back after Lane's death, I actually did uh, one of their first shows back. Um, it was a VH1 uh, heart tribute, you know, so all these artists got up and played with heart. Yeah. And and it was the reunion of, the of them, if I remember correctly, on that. I saw that. Yes. 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 Uh -huh. And and Mike Inez, having been in, was in heart at the time. That's right. So the guys got back together and uh, did that. And, and then I was with them. I wish longer, but... Uh, it, it was it was a weird time for them because promoters didn't trust them because Lane was so flaky. That's right. And so they couldn't get guarantees. I so they you know they they were asking me to do it um, for less money than I wanted to go do it. And then the other aspect of it was um, ML uh, Procise was friends with their manager. And once he found out that I was in, he wanted me out. Mm. Politics. And, and yeah, that yeah. was kind of unfortunate. Yeah. You know, and it, it's like, I never got about ML because we were friends. We kn knew each other for 30 years. And, but he did not want me touching any of his camps. Unbelievable. Sounds mm -hmm. pretty silly. You know, I mentioned that you, you've, and we talked about it here. You, you've got uh, studio time. You're kind of, your career is broken up into different ventures. The Beach Boys, Alabama, uh, out on the road with White Snake Heart for years. Uh, and we're going to get into more. Do you have a preference, uh, working in the studio or during the touring, and, and why? Uh, Jackson kind of burned me out of the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I could understand that. Um, sure. It wasn't uncommon for it wasn't uncommon for his records to take a year and a half, two years to make. That's true, uh, and that was pretty much seven days a week. Yeah, you're and, a troll um, figure in a windowless control room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, and, that's arduous. You know, comping, comping, comping constantly. You know, and in the middle of a mix, all of a sudden you want to go back and recomp the vocal, and fifteen years. Uh, 15 hours later, 15 years, it seemed like it. Uh, you know, okay, we're ready to go back and mix, but you you messed up all the balances so bad in recomping the vocal that you ended up having to go back to scratch. And, uh, it was pain in the ass. He's a, he's a perfectionist. Yeah. He's a perfectionist, and he will just burn you out. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so the road, but what it what it happened was uh, when we were on a break, and Buford asked me to come do Pink Floyd. Buford Jones with him, the one and, and only. Yeah. Well, talk uh, about I mean, your time with Buford Jones. I mean, he's a the, he's a goddamn legend. I mean, we're talking about Buford Jones. What, what was your impression? How did how what do you, how did he affect you? Uh, he taught me a lot. Um. I met him with Jackson. Yeah. He was Jackson's live engineer. I was the studio engineer. And Jackson decided to put the two of us together out on the road for Lawyers in Love right. and split the console in half. So I had the left side of the console. People had the right side of the console. He could reach into my side, but I couldn't reach into his side. <laughs> and he was, he was kind of uh, not real happy about having a guy from the studio who knew nothing about live out there and there was a little derision. There was, you know, some friction, uh, but we eventually worked it out. 
Um, he's my daughter's godfather. Oh, very um, cool. He's one of my best friends in the world. Um, and so for a while, we kind of tag team Jackson live. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when he, you know, when he got the Pink Floyd gig, which involved synchronizers and, you know, other studio tricks that yeah. really weren't up his sleeve, he called me and asked me to do it. And I said, no. He wow. called me again and I said, no. And uh, I remember uh, my wife and I, my first wife and I were at our apartment in um, North Hollywood and the phone rings and she answers it and she says, it's David Gilmore and he wants to talk to you. <laughs> you did not tell David Gilmore, no. I have a feeling. Oh, no. Yeah. You don't tell David Gilmore. <laughs> and that was really one of the most wonderful experiences in my career because um, David, Nick, and Rick were three of the nicest guys in the world. I mean, they'd throw a party like once a week. Uh, they'd, they'd run out of a bar and they would work every table and ask, you know, they knew the name of your kids. They knew the name of your wife, you know, oh, cool. they sat down and really had, had a conversation with you wow. that meant something. That's pretty great. And then, uh, at like eight, nine, eight, nine o'clock, they would open the doors to this club that they had rented out. Uh, and on the marquee out front, it said the fisherman. And you weren't allowed to wear any swag. And all these punters would come in. And Pink Floyd would get up there, you know, because they were the fishermen before they were Pink Floyd. That's right. And we had, uh, we had Strat 001 out on the road with us. David never played it on stage. No shit. But anybody what? in the crew would get up. And if you were a guitar player, he'd hand you 001. Man, that's heavy. I yeah. don't know how that got out of the factory. What it's not on a wall in a shadow box, you know, being protected. Zero, zero, one, no shit. Zero, one. I yeah. bet it must have been a thrill for right the crowds track. that came in there thinking they are going to have a beer with the fishermen and Pink Floyd come out and, yeah, kill it. That must have been exciting. As you well. know what? The funny thing is, almost never did they figure out that it was Floyd. I saw that was, with, uh, with the. It was pretty funny. Yeah, we saw that with the Foe Fighters when the Foe Fighters. Oh, I shouldn't say. Well, I can. I think it's widely known now. But when the Foe Fighters want to come out and try new material, they'll come out as the Holy Shits, and so hey, we the Holy Shits on the banner. Or I think you just turned a lot of people onto that. I don't <laughs> think a lot of people know that. And and but they pretty relatively quickly be realized for who they were, and the place would go you know nuts. But I, I just can't imagine being in a bar and hearing. Pink Floyd up on stage and not knowing, oh, there's Roger Waters and David Gilmore. That's phenomenal to me. Well, Roger, Roger, Roger was in the band at the time, so uh-huh. uh, it was just a three of them. Gotcha. But, um, Dave was handling all the vocals? No, the crew was handling the vocals. I mean, they were playing like, you know, Mustang Sally and stuff. They weren't playing Pink Floyd tunes. What about on the tour? Yeah. Who was doing the vocals on the tour you were doing? Oh, uh, David, David did most of the vocals. Oh, God, the bass player uh, did Roger's vocals. Huh. Uh, I can't recall his name at the moment. They were, they were sharing duties, though. I mean, that was, that was 33 years ago. Well, you know, I mean, mixing it, um, Buford had, uh, he had, he had a console with, the vocals, the drum submix, the keyboards, guitars, bass. Um, he had you on I the effects had, mainly, correct? I had all the effects. Yeah. I had the quad. I had the tape. And then uh, Bobby, uh, shit, what's his name? Um, he had all the drums. Wow. Which uh, was actually a console on a sidecar. Man, so the real estate your front of house must have took up. Five what consoles did you go out with? Yeah. Uh, we started out with Midas Pro, Pros. Um, I think I had a Pro 2. Bobby had a Pro 
three. Um, Buford uh, started out with a 3K. Um, my Pro 2 got flooded in, uh, I want to say Cleveland or something. And we changed that out to a, a 3K. Um, but Bobby stayed on the Midas Pro. Um, Quite a footprint. You know, it's, uh, it was a big footprint. Yeah, a lot of real estate. Uh, Sounds like quite the yeah. endeavor. I want to drag and your. And then uh, what, what's really crazy is, you know, with all that shit out front. Yeah. Um, uh, Seth. Uh, I can't believe I'm just Seth. 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 Seth Mo. Uh, he he mixed the whole thing on one console. <laughs> at Monitor Beach, it was crazy. <laughs> The old ways, my brother, the old ways. I know we talked about, um, you know, we were, we were communicating off and on and we were talking about the handoff that took place with you. With, Seth, uh, Goldman. Seth Goldman. He got it, it came to him. I go. love that you're giving everybody credit, brother. Yeah. That's, that's the, the cool of you. Uh, we were talking about um, how back in the day uh, you toured with Prince, but it was a handoff between you and Bob Scoville, good friend of the show and a uh, friend of, to all of us. Bob. Yeah. Dude, he's gonna, he's gonna hate you for the rest of his life. You keep on calling him Bob. All right, so I call him Bob <laughs> Scoville. I know he likes Robert Scoville, but he's gonna have to just deal with it because love to you, Bobby, but <laughs> I just him Bob. Robert oh, Scoville. Oh, man, that's even worse. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna probably be, get a phone call here in a minute. You definitely uh, will. <laughs> but you, you know I mean that with the deepest respect Robert Scoville um, but yeah you worked with Prince tell us about that now Prince was a challenging artist and everybody who's everybody uh, you know the, the old pros almost all of us have got a story and talk to us about your time with Prince well uh, one is kind of uh, how it started was Dave Shudon got a phone call about the opportunity to do Prince yes sir and he immediately punched me into it. But we had to audition in the San Diego Sports Arena empty. No shit. With, uh, yeah, he flew the band out and it was all rental gear. And, yeah. That is Hold, a tough room to get to sound good. Don't look at him, don't talk to him. Yeah, we know the rules. Uh, especially empty. Tough, <laughs> tough room. With bodies in oh my God. But anyway, uh, he, he wanders out front and he's looking around and, you know, I've got a 4K and, you know, I don't know what Robert had out there, but it was a little flashier. And he's walking around and he leans over my shoulder and he says, where are the crossover points? And I was like, don't look at him, don't talk to him. <laughs> and he walks around some more and he comes back to me and he says, what are the crossover points? Okay, whatever, not talking to him. And he says, I'm not going to ask you again. What are the crossover points? So I tell him the crossover points. And he says, look at me when you're talking to me. I don't trust anybody that doesn't look at me when they're talking. To me. So that went out the window on day one. Wow. And he was in my ear every day. Uh, the best print story I have is that we were doing three nights at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. Great room. And uh, well, I mean, you have to deck stack it because. Yeah. Uh, there are there are points, but they're all owned by Phantom uh, uh, of the Opera. I totally understand. And, and it's like a ridiculous amount of money to open them up. So everybody was going, don't tell Prince about the points. Don't tell Prince about the points. Because he would just said, fuck it. I don't care. You know, let's oh. blow 100 grand. Yeah, I'm out. Hanging shit. Yeah, right. So he decides to come down, come down early, come down early to help me. <laughs> <laughs> and he calls me on stage. And those were his words. I'm here to help you. Okay. And so he's walking back and forth on the stage, and you know, the set is in, and uh, the PA is deck stacked. And he's walking back, back and forth, and calls me up, and he said, "Wouldn't it sound better if we flew it?" And I went, "Well, there's no points." And he goes, "Well, yes, there is." And I said, "No, there's not." And he walks upstage inside of the Presidium and points up where the side fills are flying. 
and he says, hang it there. So we got to rip the whole set out. This is like 3.30 in the afternoon. Oh, God. We have to rip the whole set out, shove the PA upstage, fly it up. Um, a, more than a third of the PA is just blasting in the persinium. Oh, man. And by the time we get it back in, uh, we turn the PA on, and it's on, and he won't let me tune it anything. He says, open the doors. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And uh, Larry Graham was the opener, and it was like fighting a bear. I mean, shit was wailing. It was just a mess. Oh, it sounds rough. And I finally, I, oh, God, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So I finally get it, get it to the point where it's not horrible. It's not great, but it's not horrible for Prince to come out. And um, we do the show. And so he comes in the next day and says, I should pay Larry Graham because I messed up Larry Graham's show. And it was like, well, you, you came up with the idea to fly the PA where you flew it. And he goes, I don't let anybody tell me how to do my job. Why would you let me how to tell you do yours? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was you much screwed up listening to the boss. That's what happened. You shouldn't have never done that. Right. <laughs> what the hell? Right. Well, that's not, that's not how it worked in that camp. So anyway, after all that. Yeah. He goes, let's see where you ended up. And we walk out front. And you were only allowed to play his records or Dr. Dre's. And he knew I was tuning with Jackson Brown every day. And as long as I never admitted it, he wouldn't tell me I couldn't do it. So anyway, he puts, he puts in this Dr. Dre CD. And we get about eight bars into it. And he flies out of his chair. And he goes, what are you doing? What are you thinking are you crazy and i'm looking at him going what are you talking about and he goes we're in atlanta they have discos here there's they know subs for god's sakes man there's black people coming tonight and i said you want me to turn the subs up and he goes turn them up and he reaches down and he goes like plus 12 <laughs> on the subs and it's just like oh man and so he's sitting at the console like this. He pulls the fader down. I said, that's what you want? He goes, that's what I want. I said, okay, that's what we're going to do. So, uh, like I said, Larry Graham opened the show. And so I hit the go button for Larry Graham. And uh, Morris Day is sitting on three rows in front of me. And he comes flying out of his chair, <laughs> screaming at me, what are you doing? You know, and I just point to the stage and go, talk to dude. Yeah. And uh, so we do the show. It's ridiculously stupid the low end. And it was the uh, G5 bottoms, which really weren't subs. Yeah, I blew dude. a lot of those up. I bet. <laughs> yeah, not Mike Adams' best effort there. Uh, be nice to uh, Mike. Yeah, but you're, you're not wrong. You're oh, not wrong. Oh, he'd, oh, I think he'd admit that. I think Michael would admit that. But, but yeah, Lord yeah. knows he went on to do much better. That's for sure. Yeah. So him and Morris Day go out and have dinner that night. And Prince comes in the third night, third day. And he says, let's see where you ended up last night. And he walks out. He puts the Dr. Dre thing on. He runs the fader up. Four bars into it. He leaps out of his seat. And he said, are you insane? What are you doing? This is crazy. And I said, what, you want more sub? More sub? This is ridiculous. I said, you want me to turn him down? He reached down and he muted him. <laughs> wow. And I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. I had to look at him and go, does this mean there's no black people coming in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Whoa, taking it to Prince. I, I love that story. Like I said, I Jimmy, every fucking person, excuse me, but every person that's worked with Prince has a story. And the man was a genius, let's face it. But sometimes when the artist has too much, let's call it perceived idea of technical expertise, they can be a trouble. So uh, we've, we've all been there, done you know, that. I, I learned a lot from him. Um, it's a talent, amazing guitar. So I, one of my favorite guitars of all time, easily. Oh, uh, yeah. He, Monster. He's, 
Just right a, up there. Yeah. yeah. Monster. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, the crazy part now, th this is the craziest part about that story. I just told it. Yeah. Is when he passed away, the only live show video that was out of the vault at the time of his death was the third night in the ladder. No shit. How'd it turn out? Yep. With the, did you go with no sub? Did you go with muted sub on that third show? Too much low end. <laughs> uh, yeah, the subs were muted, were muted for that show. No shit. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy story, baby. Thanks for sharing that one. That was a good one. I, I got a chuckle. Let's move on to, uh, I know you've done some MTV Unplugged, which of course is uh, an institution in its own right. You did it with Babyface, who of course had on the show Eric Clapton and Stevie Wonder. What the fuck? Talk Legendary. about that one. That's some shit right there, brother. Was, nice to have on the that, resume. That, that was so much fun. Oh, uh, had to you be. Talk about a, you want to talk about a band? Oh my god. Yeah. That, um, that's some shit for sure. Yeah, they they were just badass. Uh, Kenny is a lovely guy. Um, Stevie Wonder, I, 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 Clapton was. You know, it's funny because Clapton showed up uh, at the theater in New York where we were doing it. We, we didn't see him for rehearsals. And he just showed up and he just cut off all his hair. So nobody recognized him when he walked in. Yeah. And he had an electric in one hand and an acoustic in the other. And we were doing uh, If I Could Rule the World. And Kenny wanted to play it on acoustic but the acoustic he brought didn't have a pickup. And so Kenny was like, well, put a mic on him. And I walk up and I'm putting these mics in front of him. And Eric looks at me and he goes, this isn't gonna work, is it? And I went, nah, I really don't think so. I'm gonna give it a shot. And you know, we went through several mics and placements and there were a lot of monitors on stage. Yeah. And um, uh, you know, finally Eric just went, yeah, I'm gonna play the electric. I got this. And it was brilliant. Yeah. It, it yeah. was two very special nights. I can only I had, so that had to be a wonderful, wonderful experience. You know, I, I've talked with you about your 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 mixing philosophy. Yeah. Instead of me putting words into your mouth, I I know when we've talked about it, and we've 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 got a lot of different friends that have different approaches to um, and that do huge shows, big big artists. Um, and I think I think when I talked to you last about it. I think that what I came away was a sense that you thought sometimes some of the uh, people we were talking about that we won't, they'll go unnamed here. Uh, sometimes, and some of the younger folks coming up t tend to overcomplicate their mixes. What you thinking on that? You know, the more stuff you put in the way, the more stuff there is to A, go wrong. Hell right. and, uh, and, and I, I don't know, especially in this era of digital, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a firm believer that less is more and uh, simple steps. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, effects. You know, the people who make these effects to program these effects, they spend hundreds, thousands of hours getting these algorithms right and everything. And it's like, why do you want to reinvent the wheel? You know, Maybe you got to put a little sauce on it or something, but sure. you know, basically, if, you know, if you really go through them, you can find several that are going to work without a whole lot of work on them. Um, but you know, this thing about double compressors, double EQs, side compression, um, yeah, nutty. Um, the the one thing that I got sucked into for a while leaving the studio was being very exact about uh, delay times and all this on your, you know, uh, reverbs. And, and I can't remember who it was, um, somebody I really respected. He was watching me set a console up, you know, in a sound check. And he goes, you know what the hang time in this room is? You're talking about 10 milliseconds <laughs> and <laughs> this room's going to hang for six and a half seconds. So what are you doing? And it was like, Oh yeah. Why am I bothering to do this? So no, it, <laughs> less is more. And you know, 
what's a lot more important is, uh, you know, clearing out that lower mid range so that there's Absolutely. a place for things to. And, um, Dude, your mixes you know, speak I, for themselves. I'm not kidding. When I heard your your shows, uh, oftentimes on our gear, it's it's you're clean. There's a sweet spot you know how to find, and it's it's just enough where that you're bringing the heat, but it tastefully. I don't know. I don't know how to articulate this well, but when you want to hear everything and you want to hear it clean and pretty. Go, go to a James Geddes show. I'm not shitting you. Let's move on to uh, comedy tours. I know you've uh, you've went out and done some comedy work with uh, Kevin Hart, huge, huge comedian. How what, What's that like, the special uh, um, things that take place during those shows? Really small mic stands or? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, that was a shot at height. We're going to move forward. Well, <laughs> what the fuck? Sound Image has got a zillion stories about the golden mics and the golden stands. I know, I know. And uh, there's a boatload uh, in the offices up front in San Diego um, that were rejected. Um, you know, it was doing just spoken voice in arenas, and it was insane. We were doing Big shows, uh, yeah. Two shows a day at Madison Square Garden. That guy, that you know? guy is and, the and biggest the, comedian in the country to this day. He's, he does well at what he does. But uh, a squeak thing with with the. Uh, but the other thing was, you know, like a lot of singers do it too. But as he'd go on, that the mic would drop. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there would be times where it'd be around his waist. And, you know, you, you just had to finesse that up to, you know, before it squeaked to, to keep him static. So it didn't sound like it was coming up and down. We had that problem with Jerry um, Seinfeld. I know exactly what you're referring to. Yeah. It's a thing. It's a, there's a, they, you know, I think people think, you know. You and the other thing was you had Go ahead. I didn't catch that last bit. Well, it's, um, it's just the nature of uh, the comedy the, uh, show. The spoken word uh, in, in a large room is is not as easy as it might seem to the uh, uninitiated. There's some special yeah. challenges. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, it's it seems easy. Right. But I don't know. Um, it it didn't. You know. You you had to constantly be there. That's right. And. What I, what I really learned from doing Kevin Hart is it's a play. Uh, I mean, he would say the exact same thing every night in the same place. And uh, you, you had to be zoned in for it. And, and when he all of a sudden would change something up or miss, you know, like go to the wrong thing. Yeah. Uh, you had to be totally dialed into that because you didn't know what he was going to do next you it know sounds like you're working the whole show uh, every it, show yeah yeah i mean you know the monitor guy uh he could he could just take a nap after he turned it on yeah right uh those of us out front between the video and the lights and you know uh, you had to really stay dialed in in case he decided to change something up yeah so and he's but, uh, known to do that for sure. But at the same time, yeah. he has a, a strong consistency. You'd be able to put out, I mean, his output, the work ethic of that man, there's no way we can deny his, uh, his, oh. his special ability to, to thrill an audience and then go do a couple movies and then go do a big-ass tour. Yeah, he's, he's, a pretty, he's a little bit of a machine. That was the amazing, that was amazing, mm -hmm. the amazing part about that. Was, you know, he'd take Monday and Tuesday off and go to Hollywood and shoot two movies yeah. <laughs> and fly out on one day and run a 5k and then do you know five or six shows back to back over the next three nights yeah. you know he his energy is incredible well he i think he understands the idea of get it while the getting is good and uh he keeps his nose to the grindstone there's no doubt about it uh let's talk about Absolutely. yeah yeah and, and there's 
I think that's a well um, <clears throat> trotted out uh, strategy uh, to keep yourself in the right place, and, and I think the evidence is in on that. He's been able to um, really do well in a couple markets, and, and that's not something you see every day. Clint Black. Now, I know you got some time with Clint Black, and uh, got a hell of a voice on that guy. Great singer, demanding yeah. artist from my experience. Um, how was your experience with him? Did you do well? Enjoy it. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, nothing Nothing's News is probably my favorite song. One of my favorite songs anybody's ever written. I like I the mean, rain one, the, the rain uh, song. Ever, amazing. Yeah, you know that song. Every time we played it outside, you know what happened? It rained. <laughs> it rained. <laughs> He has a special talent. We need to get his ass out here in California right now. Right. Places on fire, um, singing selected yeah, no areas. Shit. No <laughs> shit. Never pink flood because it rained a lot when we were outside too. Well, the, I have. Uh, I've heard of uh, folks, you know, getting their their boards in in a bad way, one way or another. But I have not heard of anybody getting their board flooded. So uh, Pink Floyd and the flood—that's a good story. You worked with Billy Idol. How'd you enjoy that? What, how, what was that experience like? Yeah, that was great. Talented guy. Uh, Character. It, 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 it was really great. Um, Steve Stevens and I had a great relationship. I enjoy him a great um, deal as a guitarist. And then, yeah. But he would he would come out front and uh, at the beginning of the tour and want to hear his rigs, and it was a, a DB up on this, a DB down on that, and it was like, and after about the third week, he stopped coming out. Um, Billy pretty much keeps to himself. Yeah. Uh, I really had a conversation with him. He'd walk by me and go, hey, Chief, you know, which. Yeah, that was him, Chief you me. know, that was a, that was but, a uh, qualifying remark right there. The shows, the shows were fantastic. They're, yeah, yeah they bring you know, it live, man. The shows were fantastic. Exactly. I mean, the guy's been yeah. doing it since friggin' '81 or something. Yeah, he's he's the real deal, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that was a lot of fun. Uh, Pat Benatar and her husband. My God, those shows! To watch him, to watch him run around the stage, playing every instrument, just a monster. And her, what? A, she's she's four foot eleven, and all just all heart. What a what a talented, incredible being. What was it like working with Pat Benatar and the band? Oh, they were fantastic. Amazing um, band, yeah. You know, what's, what's really funny is, uh, and it shocked me when I got there, Yeah. was uh, Pat doesn't really put out. I mean, you know. Yeah, would we'll probably, you'd think, you know, not be down with that. Think, you know, he'd go, ah! And it's, it's not that. I mean, it's like... Um, it's not that loud coming out of her, out of her mouth, and uh, she was another one who was notorious for the mic getting lower and lower and lower. <laughs> uh, they they were lovely. They they were like family. Um, when they're they're around, I still go see Neil and Pat and yeah. say hi and. Wonderful couple. Uh, yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah, and, they must have been doing this what thirty years. They've been a couple, and he's. I mean, he is the consummate performer. She's a, an amazing talent. Just a, a treat, really a treat, a rock and roll institution in a way. Yeah. No, you know, I've, I've been blessed to, with most of the artists I've worked with have been really wonderful people. Um, there are a few that were difficult and there are a few that were absolutely uh, yeah, I, I couldn't stand it. So, well, you know that that's um, that's in the in the recipe and the sauce of uh, rock and roll, my brother. Listen, I you know your, your resume reads like a who's who yeah. and a what's what of rock and roll history, and I could have delved in much much deeper, but there just isn't time on the on the planet to do it. I want to ask you, you know, a guy who's been in the game for, for you've been in this game for quite some time, and. I'm curious, what's your thinking what you on, on the, on the, your, you got any predictions about where we're going, what the future looks like? None that are good. Um, uh, well, be honest, talk to us. The, uh, 
I mean, the way that the way that we work. I mean, you want to talk about a petri dish, a, a touring bus. Yeah. You know, those of us have done it have seen colds, flus, stomach bugs. I mean, it can decimate a tour. That's correct. And in this age, <clears throat> social distancing isn't really what we do. So if we were to put a production out on the road and promoters were to buy it and somebody gets sick, the production has we have to go back and try and find everybody on that tour uh, that, you know, had contact contact tracing. I, I don't see it happening anytime soon. And, uh, you know, I mean, guys like me, Maddox, uh, we're, we're not getting younger, you know, we're getting older and I, I don't know. I don't know when we're going to go back. Uh, hopefully there's a vaccine and we can go back to work, but, um, you know, I, I've, I've seen these things like they did in Europe with the, uh, the little corrisers yeah. separated. Yeah. You know, and that's, that works for the audience, but it doesn't really work for us. Uh, you know, between hotels, restaurants, buses. I'd say the venues, buses is the trickiest hands. part. Dressing rooms, production offices. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's going to yeah. be tricky. I, I'm hoping no, and, uh, uh, maybe the vaccine will have some help on that, you know, uh, but not everybody's going to be willing to take it. I don't know. We don't get into that stuff here, but, but yeah, it looks like it, it's a, it's an interesting future and I'm hoping fingers crossed because I think that's part of the mission of this show is to tell people, hold on tight. We're coming back. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, what, what at my age, you know, I just turned 62, you know, so we don't go next year. It's 63. So the year after that, I'm 64. I haven't mixed in three years. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know if I'll still be in the game when the game comes back on. Well, uh, God forbid, because that would be a, a big hit to the game. You, you, what you bring to the table is something that's not easily replaced. And I do believe we'll come back and I do believe we'll see you on the road and you'll be out there mixing some pretty sound coming out of a little white birds uh, flying out of a PA, I, my brother. <laughs> well, I, I certainly hope so, Vinny, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Let's keep in touch, my friend. I really very much appreciate you going through all the changes of hooking things up for us and getting on the air. We, we got love for you, my friend. Keep your chin up. Keep your stuff together. Send love to the wife. And thank you for coming on our show, brother. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Baby. You take care, my friend. Be well. Thank you, man. Hey, listen. You guys be good. Thank Bye. you, brother. Bye. Be good. We got another one in the bag. We just had the badass man, the one and only James Geddes on the show. Uh, he really is the history of rock and roll. And uh, it's a special, special thing. I, I can't thank him enough and more. Um, we couldn't do it without the help of our friends in the, in the game. Of course, that the number one thing that comes to mind is the good people here at Sound Image. Sound Image Productions, my brother George Edwards. And of course, our big, the big cheese, the captain, the, the mentor, the man, uh, David Stone. Thank you guys for allowing us the space. Our, our, we get a lot of help from our, our good friends over at LSV, that's large screen video. Um, these guys provide the biggest uh, lead walls and, and video services in the industry. They really are the leader and we love them for them, uh, you know, being with us and supporting us. Uh, you need something big, you need something right. Call uh, Cameron Brown and the folks over at LSV. We miss you, John Rigney. We love you. Uh, the, also, the, the people at slowfiber.com, they provide us with masks and they make them special for our sound image masks so we can, uh, you know, keep our crews working in the shops and doing the little one-offs and things that we do and uh, different maintenance and things. So we, we want to thank the folks at uh, slowfiber.com. Thank you, guys. And, of course, the crew here in the shop, in the building, 
Uh, and I want to send a special little bit of love out to my good friend, uh, Charlie Shabriki. Charlie, I gave a bunch of the pocket references away to, uh, we had uh, Joe Victoria from Metallica and John Fuki Fukushima from uh, Rolling Stones. Actually, they both do Rolling Stones and Paul uh, McCartney and they were in yesterday. We handed out two or three of them to them. We love it. We miss you, brother. We hope you're doing well. Shout out to the, the whole, all the, the, the constant and the loyal diehards. Mikey Brown back there, uh, pushing switches and uh, turning knobs and moving faders. We really appreciate you, sir. Thank you for all your hard work. And my good, good friend, Kyle Thomas. Thank you, brother, for being here and all the hard work you do, the stuff that goes unseen, you being here with that smiling face. We really appreciate you, brother. No problem. Anytime, Bubba. Listen, next week we're going to do, we're going to, again, on the mission, you know, we have a lot of audio guys in here. Obviously, we're audio guys, and we, we, but we're a production company, so we do it all. You call us, we can put on a whole concert. We got stages, we got lighting, we've got wall, we got uh, audio coming out their ears. But, but we do on the show try to bring in different folks from different disciplines, and I've got a treat for you next week. It's a, it's a, it's a different one, but the guy is the king of the stuff that every roadie I know loves. He's the catering king from Chef's Touch. We're bringing in the one and only Steve Orgain. This guy has fed more roadies and kept care of more. I, I'm telling you, man, when Steve comes, when you're doing a show and you know Steve's on it, you're going to eat good, you're going to eat right. And, and he's a sweetheart of a man. And we're looking forward. We're having him next Thursday at 7. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, send any comments to YouTube and questions. And until we see you again, take very good care of yourself and each other. Good night.